Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Momming Autism Podcast, where we are providing a positive platform for special needs parents to share their stories. We are your hosts, Amanda DeLuca and Katie MD, and today we are pleased to have um, one of our favorite autism mamas and um, someone who has been on this journey for um, some time, so she can give us some insight to that, Miss Amy Schleter of Alex the Artist. So welcome, Amy. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. So Amy, could you introduce yourself and just tell everyone a little bit about you and um, your journey and Alex um, as a kid and things like that? Sure. Um, like I said, my name's Amy and I am married to my husband, Jim, and we've been married for, well, it'll be 30 years this year, but we have a daughter, Hannah and she lives in Washington DC and then we have Alex who is our guy on the spectrum and he's 24 um, he was diagnosed 20 years ago at right at, at four years old and um, it, at, back then it was I think it was probably different than it is now um, in that we got his diagnosis and they just said autism nothing else attached to it um, like I think they do separate things out today into more specific you know whether it's speech or um, sensory issues or ADD ADHD we didn't have any of that it came a little bit later but we just got autism so that was at four and it started off with um, the uh, he's not talking he's not playing so we went the route of first they looked at speech and hearing and those uh, speech obviously was very delayed and non-existent and um but his hearing was great so then they said communication delay but oh absolutely not autism you know this isn't autism and um but as the year went on and I did a little bit more research and the doctor approached it he's like let's have him evaluated and that's how we went through that process of getting him evaluated and the official diagnosis. So it's been 20 years and um, we, um, it's been a big thing lately um, because a lot of moms have been asking me, but we had the opportunity to try ABA. It was kind of a new uh, emerging therapy for kids. And we took a look at it um, but Alex had a very docile, sweet, mild disposition, unless he was melting down and doing those things, but he did not have the behavioral outbursts or, um, self-injuring or things like that. And we just elected not to do ABA because we felt like it would crush him. Um, mm -hmm. where, whereas many parents see that that could help resolve some of the self-injurious or outburst behaviors um, so we elected not to and so um, we I don't know what you want me to how much do you want me to keep going if you want to interrupt me just interrupt me but so we popped him into the public school and he was in the mainstream classroom for the first few years after well he did early childhood intervention and then went into public schools and in kindergarten and first grade, he was there and he ended up getting pull out for therapies from the mainstream classroom. Um, but our district had 
two levels of special needs um, learning resources. It was mainstream classroom with pullout or the opposite of uh, self-contained classroom with pullout to mainstream classrooms. So he was in the level one for kindergarten first and part and part of second grade. Um, but it was in second grade that I have kind of written about this, but I just kind of went to do your motherly volunteering like we all do. And it just, one day it struck me that Alex, um, he needed so much more support than they were giving him in the classroom. And so um, he wasn't learning. Um, he could only do, and you guys can probably relate to this, he, could, he couldn't do like three command um, instructions. You know, mm -hmm. get your spelling book out, turn to page 54, write down 10 words. Um, mm -hmm. he could get a spelling book out and there he sat and then they'd have to help him and the other kids would have to stop what they're doing to help Alex and anyway long story short I talked to his teacher and was like you know Alex isn't learning and the other kids are having to give their learning time to somebody to help Alex so we went a whole nother route and um, IEP talked to it and they all thought that he would do better in the opposite type setup in a self-contained classroom and if they could pull him out they would and so that's what we did and that's where he started to really take off and learn um, and he was in like-minded like social like just peers he was in with peers mm -hmm. um, and he had a lot more support so we kept him in that kind of a situation and setting all through high school so that's what we did education-wise, and that's how we got through his learning years. I don't know if you want me to stop there. For... Um, we started Jackson in Gen Ed for um, kindergarten, um, and I was nervous about it. And his school was very proactive. Um, and whether Jackson could keep up academically or not, it was causing him so much anxiety because there were so many kids, there were so many moving parts. It was at a pace that he couldn't um, compete with and keep up with because he needed more time. He needed time to decompress between um, assignments and tasks. And um, I cried over that. I grieved over moving from gen ed to self-contained um, because to me it felt like them saying one more thing he couldn't do. but in self-contained he's relaxed and he loves school and he's um, in kindergarten and working at a second grade academic level because he can and I think it's important um, like you said Amy that you you noticed that it just wasn't the environment for him and I noticed the same thing and his team noticed the same thing it wasn't giving something up it was just giving them what they needed um, I think in our case so Amy, can you talk to us um, a little bit about what therapies or what um, interventions you did try or you did do um, since ABA wasn't for your um, your kiddo? Um, we, because Alex was never nonverbal, but he was definitely very, very slow to emerge and getting his um, needs and um, things across was definitely huge. He had definitely had an expressive um, language delay 
and um, there was some processing disorder, you know, issues too. So he, we went um, with a lot of speech therapy and a lot of occupational therapy because he does have low motor, to, low muscle tone, and his motor skills um, were not good. He, it's it's very weird because he is an artist, but his fine motor skills in in parts were very you know, behind and delayed and his gross motor skills. I don't know. They, they've got to be delayed or non-existent because he's just very, he has low tone and he's just very slow. Alex does not have, the only time he has any speed in him is if there's a fire alarm or something like that. There's nothing, he, there's nothing fast about that boy. So we, they dealt a lot with the occupational therapy learning to, um, where he, and proprioception, where his body was in place and in relation to the things around him. And um, so that's the big thing they went through with school, um, with speech and OT. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about Alex's art? Because um, you mentioned that he is an artist and that's um, your page is Alex the Artist. And what when you saw that become an interest and in how you worked on nurturing that skill and um, really shaping and helping him um, show his talent in that. So when Alex was just a little guy, I mean, he was probably two or three and he was drawing stick figures, but they had all the parts. Like he would draw a stick figure and the face would have eyes and a nose and a mouth and eyebrows and ears whereas most two or three year olds are you know if you're gonna get a a head and a you know sticks but not even maybe facial features so we knew that he was just drawing more detailed than a normal two or three year old but then when he was about four he started expanding his drawing and there was one time when I think it really came to us was I can picture it now we were sitting in the living room and Alex was so frustrated and this is when he didn't have a lot of verbal skills and he was just really upset about something and he was drawing and we're looking at it like what are you what's wrong why are you so upset and neither of us could get the answer and finally I looked at it a little bit differently the picture that he was drawing and he was trying to draw a cube a three-dimensional cube and that was just, we knew that that was not typical for a four-year-old. So he just continued to draw and continued to draw and it was be whatever he was interested in. Barney, Spon- not SpongeBob at the time, but um, VeggieTales, whatever he was interested in, he would just keep drawing those characters over and over and over again and they would get more sophisticated and more sophisticated. And then he would um, make me copy off pictures of what he liked and he would go right according to that and sure enough he would make the same image and so that's how we knew that he had an aptitude for art and we really didn't do a whole lot with it until he was about 12 years old and it's a long way around but he was actually taking piano lessons from um, a teacher out in Seattle who happened to be an artist as well and she knew that he was a, he could draw so she said I'd love to work with him if he'd want me to try so that's when we started actually formally if you want to call it that um, having him mentored or tutored in art so ever since 12 he has been um, 
gotten to art tutors and and um, taken up his art. The thing that with and we can many of our kids are like this. They're very literal. They're very logical and they are very linear sequential. He would draw from a picture and recreate the picture um, beautifully, but not in his own unique way of recreating it to be different. It would always look just like the other picture, but gorgeous. You know, he would put a little bit of spin on it, but not much. Now he's getting better at being more creative in his own, in his own right, because he just doesn't have a huge imagination when it comes to, I think that's common with a lot of our kids, they might, but they can't put it on paper or they just are very logical. So, so yeah, so he's still, he's yeah. still with an art tutor. We still, he still puts out art and um, it's just his thing. We, um, imaginative play was a goal um, of ours for a very, very long time. And Monroe has helped Jackson with that. I don't think um, he would have done it on his own, but it's because um, she wants him to play. He has no choice, so he's had to learn. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, Hannah would play with him a little, but she didn't get back from him, and so and she's older, so she just moved on and did her own thing, and she was such an mm -hmm. independent player. She didn't need him for entertainment. So we had the quietest household in the whole world because neither of them needed anybody else for entertainment and so it was like does anybody live here so we yeah that's we were quiet <laughs> um i think katie's household is the exact opposite yeah as is mine yeah yeah we're loud i think here. i think that's um <laughs> i think that's very common we were not typical um in that we could have loud times don't get me wrong because if he went then the whole city knew about it. But um, when things were good, <laughs> we were very quiet. Yeah. So, Katie, your three are pretty close in age too. Yeah, our, ours are very close in age. Avery just uh, had his birthday. So Avery just turned 10 and Natalie just turned seven. And coming up here in like the next week and some, uh, Jackson will be turning five. So our kiddos are fairly close in age and our house is never quiet. Uh, the only time our house is quiet is when our kids are getting sick. And our house hasn't been quiet since, you know, pretty much 2019. So that tells you how long it's been. So our kids have been the healthiest they've ever been since um, we started, you know, well, we've been home for almost like a whole year now and, and homeschooling. So. Uh, they don't see anybody and we don't go anywhere. So um, our house is loud. Our kids are close in age. And, uh, you know, um, Avery doesn't really want to play with anybody. He he is very much, um, you know, a lone wolf. He wants to do his own thing um, on his own time. And he's very much on his own schedule. And um, that's something we've always worked on is imaginarity like you know having imagination and and playing and being able to play with others um he doesn't do well with it though we're we're at 10 and he's still he's very much stuck in his own ways um and natalie you know she's the she's the middle child in our family and our the only girl and she is a social butterfly so um she wants to play with everyone and mm -hmm. and she wants to play with both of her brothers and she she has such a love 
for both of them and wants to play with them so badly that it makes both of them absolutely crazy. They just, they can't handle it. And, and you know, they very much, um, both the boys, Avery and Jackson, play in a very certain way. They do a lot of lining up and sorting and, um, you know, uh, stacking by colors and, and textures and playing with the water table, but only in a certain way. And, and you know, Natalie... Um, very much doesn't play in the way that they do and and she has a hard time um letting go of control she is very much um she is definitely my daughter 110 <laughs> percent um she likes things a certain way and uh you know there's been numerous times she's asked me she's like mom but like that is not what we do with puzzle pieces and you know Avery will be lining up all the puzzle pieces across the floor just in a straight line and and she's like you know we're supposed to build the puzzle with that mom and I'm well I know but you know Avery doesn't see it that way so um you know it's it's interesting it's interesting kind of the dynamic our house has um Avery being on the severe end of the spectrum and Jackson um, you know, uh, just going through the system now and he'll get his paper signed and he will be, um, diagnosed level one. Um, you know, they're both on, on different ends and then Natalie's in the mix of all of it. Um, but she, I think is, is maybe a little bit similar, uh, Amy to your, your daughter where there are times like that I think, you know, she does fine like she wants to do her own thing but then there's part of her that feels like not because we've told her to but um our daughter natalie feels like she has to be present like she has to be the caregiver or the the um keep the peace or something i don't know it's just, it's weird but um she very much does play play on her own um we've just seen a lot more of her having to kind of do her own thing um this past year just because we're home i think it's starting to get to all of us a little bit of cabin fever over here hmm. amy can you talk to us about um hannah a little bit and um what what advice she might have or you might have for sibling support or things that really made a difference for her um growing up with a special needs sibling they are 18 months apart and so they're fairly close in age as well so um, we, you know, you thought they were going to grow up together and be close and, and all that kind of stuff. And obviously they are very close, but not how you would think. So she has a real, um, gentle personality and a very kind heart. And so she was really, really, really sweet to Hannah, uh, to Alex. And she was just a great sister, um, and looked out after him always but I was just talking to her this evening because I knew this question was coming up and um, it's just interesting that from what I saw versus what Hannah experienced that is different and that's just something I would tell you guys anybody is what you see in your typical children may not be what they are experiencing it's just, I don't know if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. Hannah, um, she does not have any bad feelings or harbor anything at all about having a special needs brother um, or anything like that. But she said tonight two things was um, 
she got to do every she knows and she says this she got to do everything she wanted and needed to do in her life very little got taken away or altered because of Alex because we just made sure we divided and conquered we had two kids one for each parent and one stayed home and one went with whoever needed to go or do whatever so we always made sure that she got to do what she wanted and but she said her advice or something she would say is that make sure that that neurotypical child gets your time um, that we all make sure that we set aside time that our focus just is purely on them and there's no need for any of us to have to be aware or tend to you know our the autism child and I that was you know that perfectly mm-hmm. logical and then the other thing that she um, said was the neurotypical child is going to have feelings at some time they're going to have whether it's resentment frustration short temper um, because they have a special needs sibling I mean it's just gonna it, it, ha- it happens to us as parents you know with the times of frustration and she just said don't discount their feelings and she said um, and I think this is true like you can't this is life you have a special needs child and that's the, and let's deal with it which is true but you also have to understand that they are going to feel that way they're kids and they are going to feel those frustrations of having to give up their time give up their toys give up their money um, or the family's money or give up vacations they're gonna have to give up a lot in many ways to be a part of the family and so she just said and I agree, you got to meet them where they are and acknowledge their feelings. So I think those were her two big takeaways as a sibling. And I think a lot of times we do try to discount that. Um, you know, you know that your brother gets upset. You know that we have to share. And inst- and I think that's a good point. Instead of trying to mend the situation, acknowledge and yeah, move on. Yeah, I think, it, and it's, I mean, it's true in typical families too with if you have two or three or however many neurotypical children people get frustrated with whether it's you know Timmy gets more than me or you let him watch those shows why can't you know whatever it is so that happens in every family with all kids and um, but yeah it, we, we just have to acknowledge that yeah, they didn't choose this life, but it is, and it is hard. You know, they didn't choose to have a um, yes special needs sibling, but the special needs sibling also didn't um, choose to be challenged either. Right, right. So, Amy, what is um, Alex's life like now? Um, I know that he's an artist, and um, he. What else can um, you tell us? He's living the best life, if you ask me. Um, he, we <laughs> were really, really fortunate with his schooling. We moved around a few times, but um, when we when he graduated from high school, we lived in Illinois in the sh- suburban Chicago, and our school district had um, because most states I think are like that that you have educational rights in public school system until your twenty second birthday. So he went through high school. He was in the self contained classroom, and then after high school, he went to 
um, it has an acronym, but it was a life skills um, program. And he was in that until he turned 22. And that was um, just as it says, he, he was in life skills. He learned how to do manage money. He had a few, he had some job interns that had a job coach with him. He learned to do laundry. He learned to cook, which that he doesn't do it anyway, but he did learn. Um, and um, <laughs> so life skills, he learned to do a lot of things. So with that, when he was done, we moved to Iowa and started the process of getting him into the system and that was a not surprisingly a slow slog and um, ultimately um, I try to tell this I'll tell this as fast as I can but he um, when we started the process of getting him into adult services which is even tougher than um, youth services just because of the nature of their adults and there's not that out there for them so when we started that process you know we had a great care caseworker she was working with us and it was going so slow and she just didn't know when she was going to have any open windows for us and she said does Alex have any other diagnoses and I said well he has ADHD and he has anxiety and she's like oh well anxiety is a mental health diagnosis I'm over to the Iowa Department of Mental Health so they sent us over to the Iowa Department of Mental Health and within three months he had services. So just uh, something to, to think. Everybody's trying to navigate this weird system that is warped and not as functional as it should be. We, all of Alex's services now are through the Iowa Department of Mental Health because he has anxiety. Yes. I think it's important. Um, it's important information because, like you said, as hard as it is to get youth services, adult yeah. services are even so harder. So we got him into that, and now he's in our local program. Um, obviously, the pandemic has changed a lot of things, but he qualified for one-on-one -on -one service, um, which we he only goes out once a week with it. We could have had it more than that, but once a week was fine because he has his art and he goes out and does that. So he goes out into the community with a caregiver and they usually just go to the grocery store right now um, instead of going every other places. And he has his card and he knows his pin number and Kevin takes him and they do their thing. And then they have a group programs once a week and they go out and do activities in the community, whether it's going to a school or to the Y or what have you. But that's on hold during the pandemic. And then they helped him get a job and he does... Um, three times a week, I won't say three days a week, three times a week he goes to this car dealership and he does custodial work there. He's, he's a guy um, and that he, that's what he does. And when he's done, he goes home, like heaven forbid he'd help one of his peers get their jobs done. He's just the garbage guy, <laughs> but um, does it, loves it. You know, he doesn't care if he has a friend in the world, but he loves being around people time so he does that three times a week and makes minimum wage and he really enjoys it loves going to work and so those are the big things he does plus go twice a week so he does get out of the house but he lives with us at home in our lower level um, we live on a, on a lake and so he lives quote-unquote in the in the um, walkout basement and it's got a um, it's got a microwave and a 
full-size refrigerator and storage for his foods and then he's got he's, he's got it made he's got you know tv his computer a huge desk where he can do art it's you know he so but he lives down there i would say it's semi-independently i mean i don't foresee right now where he would live independently he's always going to need oversight but that's what he's doing mm -hmm. now and um you know, I've had many people ask me how he's done with the pandemic. And um, I was like, you know, Alex is living his best life because he's been preparing for isolation all his life. You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> he's yep. rocking this. Yep. Uh, he's rocking this quarantine. <laughs> Couldn't be happier. I love, I love that. So, so Amy, what piece of advice would you have for a newly diagnosed parent who, um, you know, knows no one else, has no idea what to do next, but they've been given this diagnosis and there they sit. Um, a number one, I think the first thing that I would say to them is have a drink, sit down, take a deep breath because, and we've heard it all, you know, Tommy is the same Tommy he was yesterday. Nothing has changed. So he's still him and now you try to um, start looking into services. Um, that's, that's one big thing is that they, you know, know, our kids are the same kids they were the day before diagnosis that didn't change. Um, so that hasn't changed, but, and you know, you guys probably know my cliche by now, you know, when Alex was diagnosed, we sat back and we're like, okay, this is life changing, but, and things have changed, but our dreams don't die, they just change. And so you start to make a different path that might not be Little League, it might not be ballet, it may not be the debate team, whatever you dreams we all have for our kids, this is what, you know, this is the track they're on. It may not be that, but it might be bowling, it might be um, Special Olympics, it might be something. So it won't it might not be what you planned but it will be something and it will be something great so that's so overwhelming to think that your future has just been cut off of you and it really hasn't and the other thing other thing i will say this is hard to say because when you are like you guys and other parents that are just the hard it won't always be that way um just because they're five and can't do things right now and you think they'll never ever be able to do x y or z they may not ever be able to do it but they're going to get closer to doing it where you're going to be able to help them better and that you're going to be able to trust that you guys can be um coexisting and you he won't always need you constantly that way it will get better it will get easier um it won't be perfect um and then the other thing that, um, and I can't, now I can't remember it. There's always so many things that I think of after I've talked with you guys about the journey, but, um, it, uh, it, communication is going to be key. We see marriages break up and you just, you have to meet in the middle and, um, communicate and be really patient with each other because it's so as you guys know it is so hard and there's so many um, families that end up breaking up because of 
special needs. And um, that's really hard. Thankfully, we did not have that. But um, and I've lost my train of thought on what I was the last thing I was going to say. It might have been halfway important, but I can't remember. So those were all good. Um, Sal and I actually just sat down last week and said we are not communicating. We are barking at each other because we're tired, but we are not communicating. And we we have to figure out how to be better at that because it's not it's not fair um, for either of us to expect each other to know what we're thinking or frustrated about. Um, in the course of an 18-hour day. It's the truth. So I, it is really the truth. Yeah. And you just have to, and again, mm-hmm. not that we're in a marriage counseling conversation here, but you still have to, I think we owe it to our partners, like our, like our kids, you have to meet them where they are because we can't expect them to be somebody they're not. Um, we can change and we can help each other change, but we can't, the minute I stopped expecting things from Jim that he couldn't deliver was so releasing to me because he's not willingly keeping things from me. It's just that the way he was. So it's like, okay, well, and I do this and this is where you're strong and this is where I'm strong. You take this, I'll take that. And we're not perfect, but it, it helped immensely because it was me that had the issue. It's like, why don't you read my mind? You know, you're supposed to know my, yep. And, yep. and he's like, well, tell me I shouldn't have to tell you well but you do (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) I get that so Amy can you tell everybody um, one more time your page where you um, share Alex's artwork and um, you tell about your story so that they can follow along with okay Um, we have a website that is alextheartist.com and that's where his art is featured there's a blog spot on there as well but that's where his the bulk of his art is featured and um, we do have um, a little shop there where we sell his note cards I'm just boxing some up tonight to send out so um, they are for sale the other places we do have an Instagram that is um, oh my gosh now I'm gonna say it wrong Alex the artist ASD um, and then, okay. but his Facebook is where I'm primarily the busiest on these days. And that is Alex, the artist. It's a Facebook page. And that's where I'm learning to engage more on the social media platform for him. So, um, that's where we can be found and that's what we do. So I, I'm wonderful. With all that stuff. So behind. That's okay. You're catching up. We will um, type all of your page names in the episode description so that people um, know where to find you. And thank you so much, Amy, for joining us this evening. Um, It's been so nice to hear um, Hannah's insight and your insight and to learn more about Alex. I really appreciate appreciate you inviting me on because it's always great to share his Yes. Well, thank you so much, everyone. And we will talk to you again next week.